This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Alex Pearson. Investigators conducted further search warrants where they located additional devices and information allegedly containing child sexual abuse materials along with evidence of other sexual offenses that took place both online and in person. One alleged incident involved a seven-year-old victim who was sexually assaulted at a Toronto park. All right, so we know social media is dangerous. Why do we let our kids on it? Good morning to you, Alex Pearson, with you on this Thursday, March 2nd. Yes, we've got a very busy, busy show. I got a lot to uh, certainly parse through on our China crisis, and uh, I'm going to do that in uh, the 10 o'clock hour. I've also got Tom Korski, but there is a lot to go through. Um, There's a hearing actually going on right now where we're hearing details of you know, the level of interference. You heard Dave Bradley talking about it in the news. Uh, so there'll be a lot coming out today. All the opposition parties are demanding uh, an inquiry. It is uh, the prime minister refusing to do it. He, he, he thinks this new report is, uh, is just what they need to make this stinking pile heap of uh, dog manure go away. I just think he's going to try to rag the puck on this and make it go away. Because it's worked for him every other time. If he just you know ignores the media, it'll eventually go away, and and it's worked. Not sure it'll work this time, but again, the guy has got a, a bath full of Teflon. But uh, I want to kick things off because I don't think we can get this. I'm going to give you 96 reasons why your kids should have zero privacy online, or just get off social media altogether. Because by now, certainly you heard in the news about this big bust, uh, the Toronto police announcing the arrest of a 31-year-old pig who um, faces 96 charges for luring child porn sex assault of numerous uh, boys and girls aged 7 to 17. But of course, like all of these cases, there are going to be more alleged victims out there. And sadly, some of them will never speak up because in crimes like this, the fear and the shame are sometimes so bad that kids can't speak up. And while disgusting, nothing about these alleged crimes are surprising because the accused had opportunity as far as his keyboard could take him. And according to the cops, this uh, Toronto man was able to cast a wide net for about two years and had the ability to make himself look younger by using, you know, different techniques. He looks like a, a, a boy. He does. He looks like a young guy, young boy. Uh, but he had multiple social media sites, multiple identities, and uh, a very fertile hunting ground. And he was using Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and some of the kids were targeted and exploited online. Others, including a seven-year-old girl, went and met the guy in a park and was allegedly sexually assaulted. 
Of all the charges, 39 of the charges are sex assault. But other charges include drugging and child porn. So we're talking at least 39 underage boys and girls were violated by this piece of trash. These are the kinds of accused predators who are hanging out and filling their fantasies on social media sites just waiting for the opportunity to connect with our kids. And they are revolting people. These are unrepentant, awful people who cannot be cured. They destroy children. And the Internet is an amazing hunting ground for them. It is so, so fertile thanks to parents who post Trustingly, just endless pictures of their kids or videos of their daughters dancing in sexy costumes. It is literally a kidapalooza for, for predators. And the accused in this case, of course, has a previous conviction from 2016. And, yeah, he was on the sex offender registry. This is that safety net that clearly is easily exploited. And as parents, we are allowing it to happen because... I assure you, this gross pig is just one of many satisfying their twisted fantasies online where they know. They know how to get past all the privacy settings. They know where the kid's hanging out. They know the language to use to talk to them. And they know that parents are missing in action. Can you honestly say, can you honestly sit there and say to yourself, do I know what site my child's on? Do I know exactly who they're talking to? Because I hear a lot of parents, they'll say, hey, I've got protection on my kid's device. I've got these privacy settings. Or, you know, my kid only talks to their friends. Or my kid wouldn't do that. And yet, you know, kids do stupid stuff all the time, including my own. I mean, they're just very naive and very trusting. And the online predators, they know every trick in the book. And they've got an insatiable appetite for their perversions and manipulations. And they can befriend anyone's kid, and they do, and they are on a daily basis. And they will spend months grooming a child and making a relationship and building trust. And then all of a sudden, your kid is seven and going to the park to meet this person, right? And the sex crimes, they just destroy their victims. I mean, it's not, not career-ending for the accused. It's just this one of these revolving door crimes, where they go into the system and then they get back out and then they go right back in and they come right back out and every time they just go back to hunting. And social media has made it very easy. It gives them access to every child out there who don't have any real understanding of how to navigate the threats of social media or the dark web or these smartphones that are so sophisticated and expensive and open a world to them that they just don't understand. And yet we do it. We make it possible. Merry Christmas. Here's your phone. Here's your $1,500 phone. Have fun. We're, we're doing that. So I see these as preventable crimes, certainly with social media and, and online. But it does require parents to parent. It requires us to say no. And I get it. It's hard. I have a child asking me every single day. And every single day I say no. You know, but we do teach them don't talk to strangers. We teach them, don't open the door to strangers. And then we just hand them over to the internet and then wonder, well, what's, what's, why are they getting destroyed? You know, we've seen the data. We know social media and all the screen time is hurting them, making them anxious, creating things like cyberbullying. Some of them are getting raped, but yeah, don't worry about it. Here you go. Oh, you want social media? Sign on up. I mean, I think it's, it's 
got to take a rethink because kids don't deserve privacy online. They just don't. Kids don't deserve privacy. And if they are getting privacy and parents don't know what they're doing, then they can't actually say for sure that they know what their kids are up to or who they're talking to. That is just the reality. And they are preventable crimes, but of course, parents have to parent. And we're busy. I get it. It's sometimes just easier to hand the iPhone over, whatever, but you've got to know. frustrated because we're in month seven of this. This could have been handled on day one by having a, uh, a professional conversation with this teacher about professionalism and their attire. And here we are seven months later, having exerted significant parental pressure to go to board meetings to get to the conclusion that ultimately should have been decided on September 1st. Well, yeah. Who can blame these parents in Halton for being pissed? There is, like, I I'm surprised they're not more angry. Because there's nothing stopping Halton's board from implementing basic dress code rules that cover body parts. I mean, other than they're either stupid or incompetent. I, I can't figure this out. And yet here we are talking about another meeting in Halton at their board Wednesday night where they talked some more. <laughs> Just more talk. You know, because they couldn't tell this teacher to cover up. It was only when the New York Post got pictures of the teacher uh, dressed uh, in men's clothing as a man that they realized, oh, God, we are stupid. And yet instead of, like, dealing with it, they put Ka the teacher Kayla on a paid home leave. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, this teacher still insisting to Joe Warmington of the Sun that the uh, breasts are real. They cannot hide them, even though you can't see them anywhere in the picture, um, yet refuses to give a doctor's note to prove any of this. So, I mean, the issue solved for now because we're now paying this teacher to stay at home and because the board didn't do their basic job, which is or once upon a time should have been doing what's best for the kids. I want to bring Mike Ramsey into this conversation. He is a Waterloo District School Board trustee who has had to deal with a lot of this nonsense as well. So I think he has an interesting perspective. Mike, great to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Your board, I thought, was uh, uh, um, uh, a little wonky on, on these kinds of things, and then I then I saw the Halton board. What what is the deal? Why is this so difficult to interpret? Are there is it not a straightforward matter of telling a teacher to dress up dress properly? Well, you know, it's a very very good question, and you know, I would suggest that it um, flies in the face of. Um, what our premier, uh, Doug Ford, has said that um, he would not tolerate um, anyone using our children as uh, pawns for grandstanding and political games. And that's exactly what is happening. And mm -hmm. it is um, concerning and should be concerning for uh, parents right across the, uh, the province. I think so, too, because your board has had these issues, not necessarily like this. But the fact is, this to me, and I think most parents would say, is a common sense solution, um, you know, and they couldn't come up with it. So what was the what was the issue? Do you as a trustee have the right to tell teachers what to wear and what not to wear? Well, we can uh, give um, policy uh, direction 
The issue is that we have, um, for the most part, um, senior bureaucrats that um, are suggesting that they're interpreting ministry policy um, correctly. And so what is happening when you're doing the policy direction is that uh, apparently the ministry supports what is taking place. Well, that's certainly not what I'm hearing. Uh, If you speak with the uh, Minister of Education, um, it's more like a hands-off approach. It was really refreshing learning now that um, the the minister appears to be in agreement that... um, the, the Halton Board, and perhaps maybe <laughs> hoping it extends to the Waterloo Board, has abdicated its run- responsibility by failing to put the interests of and safety of uh, students uh, first. And again, it comes down to interpretation of uh, ministry policy and directives. And I think um, the minister is going to have to make it very clear to board what the expectations are. And that's done through um, directives. Uh, we are creatures of um, government. And so it would just take one letter from the ministry to uh, outline what their expectations are, not just with um, LGBTQ rights and so forth, but also with respect to uh, critical race theory and other things that are causing mm-hmm. a lot of angst amongst, amongst uh, parents. Well, because there's, there's, a, there's no balance. It's, it's gone to a tipping point of um, ideology being basically, I think, indoctrinated into kids. Um, and I don't, I don't get the sense... Um, Mike, that there are, that parents necessarily even know that this is going on. I think they're starting to catch on, but I, I don't think. I think most people think, well, I'm going to send my kid to school. They're going to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. And it has strayed so far beyond that um, that I think now parents are uh, starting to tune in that. My kid knows more about all these other social issues, uh, but not, can't read. I, I totally agree with you that parents are, in fact, uh, catching on. And it's now up to the government to respond and to outline what their commitment is to preserving parental rights and upholding the uh, dignity and respect of all public school um, students. This is a very serious issue. And I don't think uh, parents are uh, any longer wishes to take a back seat. And I applaud them for not taking a backseat when it comes to their children's um, education. The name-calling um, of um, people that are just seeking balance, you know, you're either called transphobic, I'm a black trustee, and I was called a white supremacist to simply <laughs> ask yeah. questions uh, around critical uh, race theory. Like, I mean, this is um, it, it, it's proof that you, you should not put activists in charge of uh, implementing government policy that are in, uh, intended to strike a balance for everyone. I think the concern is that parents are speaking up and they're not being heard. Some parents that I hear from are too scared to because they don't want to be maligned and or canceled, but they're, they're speaking up, but they hire people like you, like trustees are elected by people. Um, so they are supposed to work for the community that they serve. And, and I don't think that's happening right now. Okay, and you know, I, I think again it goes back to the uh, to the ministry, um, to um, um, Minister Lecce, to uh, outline and affirm what his <coughs> expectations are with respect to parents by certainly from the ministry end imposing certain standards, whether it's um, a dress code, um, providing more clear a clear a clearer definition of what critical race theory means, for example. I think um, he's going to need to give some direction to boards. Um, we talk about solutions-based. It's going to come from the ministry. It needs to come from the ministry. Most boards are, um, are um, basically 
an extension of the uh, the NDP caucus at Queen's Park. And I'm not sure why the government is um, um, scared to, to take them on and to give direction. They are the government. I don't know either. Well, they are the government, and they know that this stuff is going on, and I don't know why uh, it is being ignored. I don't know, Mike, why this problem went on for seven months. I mean, you heard the parent there. They're f- so frustrated. They've had bomb threats. They've had you know, fights or kids aren't learning, their kids are going to school in, in fear. Um, and yet it's six months later, we still don't even have a solution to what should have been solved on day one. Exactly. This is the climate you know, now. And it flies in the face of what the um, Premier Doug Ford has stated in the past, that if he finds, um, found anyone failing to do their job, the government will act. And I think this is a time for the government to act. Like it's very clear that um, clear direction needs to be uh, to given to boards of uh, education. Um, yeah, this is very concerning. You've been a trustee for a long time, and I know you've been dealing with these kinds of issues for, for quite some time, to your point, you know, in, in addressing critical race theory and some of the concerns you, you are called a white supremacist. We had a teacher in the Durham board who said maybe parents should be brought into the loop if their child uh, is going to change their gender. She got censured. I mean, these things are happening. They're being ignored. But are you starting to see pushback? And are you, are you hearing from more parents? Are they starting to actually speak up? Parents are speaking up, and I've been hearing um, since we've been coming out of the pandemic, I think people's eyes were uh, being opened as to what was taking place during the pandemic, because I think to a, to a large extent, the pandemic um, and uh, this, uh, uh, you know, families and parents across the province being distracted in survival mode, the pandemic was used as cover to implement a lot of radical agendas that otherwise would not have pa- passed the smell test um, in regular days, in regular times. And so people are waking up, and I'm pleased to see that. And unfortunately, the, the pushback is being characterized as, um, well, it goes into name-calling. You know, So if you disagree with this radical agenda, somehow you are a racist, you're an Uncle Tom, or your anti-LGBTQ rights, it's nothing about that. We have many friends and neighbors that, that are transgendered, and I think they would tell you, most reasonable people mm-hmm. would tell you, they would tell you that uh, what is going on at Halton is a mockery, and it yeah. needs to stop. Yeah, there, there are numbers. Uh, Halton has not done any favors for any kids or those in the transgender community, as far as I'm concerned. Nonetheless, Mike, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll be talking about this in another six months, so I appreciate you weighing in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Mike Ramsey, who uh, is with the Waterloo District School Board. Lord knows he's put up with enough stuff. that You think the Halton Board's crazy? That The, the Waterloo Board, uh, like I think, takes it even further. But nonetheless, this is happening at the boards, and, and Stephen Lecce and Doug Ford need to deal with it, and they're not. That we're talking about this seven months later, we we shouldn't have been talking about this after day one as far as I'm concerned. I think it's important to note that members of the Chinese community came out yesterday and said it is important to talk about this, uh, that the um, 
health and well-being of diaspora communities and Canadians from um, countries who participate in foreign interference feel protected as Canadians. And I think that is a really essential element of having a nation as multicultural as ours is that uh, Canadians do feel equal and do feel protected by the national security community. So that's Jody Thomas, the uh, top advisor for security and national security uh, and intelligence for the prime minister, talking about uh, our local diaspora communities, uh, the Chinese community. Uh, but they, they, don't, they don't actually walk their talk. The prime minister, of course, suggesting it's racist to question allegations of electoral interference because as he uh, sees it, it's playing into China's hand, undermining our democracy. But it's interesting the Chinese consulate has now weighed into this scandal because, of course, they're accusing the media of spreading poisonous disinformation about China because, of course, they're not interested in meddling in our affairs. Why these guys have not been turfed out of the country already is one good question that Mr. Trudeau should answer. They, they, uh, this ambassador should have been kicked out a long time ago. And so the prime minister can deflect on things like racism, but uh, these tactics are very well known to those in the Chinese communities where they have been targeted by things like these Chinese police stations and where they get bullied and forced to do things by the Chinese government while they're living here in Canada. And so, yes, we have a duty to do something, but no one in charge has done something so far. Let me bring Fenella Sung into this conversation. She's with a group called Canadian Friends of Hong Kong. Fenella, great to have you with us. Hi. Good morning, Alex. Thank you for having me. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, what you're hearing from the Prime Minister, because I know you and, and other groups you know, have taken a, a bit of a risk, I'd say, in speaking out um, against the Chinese uh, communist government, um, trying to warn people. So this is something you and, and your, your colleagues have been doing for some time. But when you hear the Prime Minister's responses about questioning this as, as racism, what would you say? Um, I would say to the Prime Minister, saying that this case, about Mr. Handong, um, it's a Canadian issue. It's a national security issue in which our democracy is being challenged and our elections being meddled. So in this case, it's a Canadian politician who allegedly was targeted and compromised by foreign influence. So it's not a China issue per se, as many people have described. So stressing the Chinese-ness in Mr. Dong's case would just blur the focus of discussion and allow those foreign agents and their bad fellows to get away from it and help those, uh, especially with ulterior motives, to feel racism. So that's why I would like to tell the Prime Minister it is not racist at all to ask legitimate questions about the dealings that our elected officials have with foreign government representatives and their proxies. Because no matter their ethnic or cultural background, be it the Prime Minister as an MP or Mr. Dong, they are subjected to the same lens and ethical standard in terms of their dealings and their behaviors and activities. Let's talk about some of those activities, because I don't really get the sense um, that people understand necessarily what is going on. Um, you know, I think when we think of things like interference, it's bags of money being passed back and forth, but we don't necessarily see it as a crime involving victims. And yet, if you're in the Chinese Canadian communities, what are some of the things that, um, that are happening uh, to, to these people? Okay, um, maybe let's put it this way, then. Um, it's Actually, those kind of things um, are not just happening within the Chinese Canadian community. 
it can happen to any one of us here. And it's just that people are um, reluctant to talk about it. Um, but of course, as Chinese Canadians, we are more vulnerable and more easily targeted by the Chinese communities, uh, by the um, Chinese communist people, because of our shared language and culture. And most importantly, we have the same social and family network. Unless you don't have extended families or you have never socialized with people, you are bound to come across some people if you were a Chinese Canadian here um, who work for the Chinese government one way or the other, who claim that they work for whatever level of the Chinese government, but they are socializing with you or you come to a dinner and you meet people, um, they are saying that they are there in their personal capacity. And that's what makes us most vulnerable. And to start with, um, let's imagine um, someone who just happened to meet a new friend um, and you have your own personal boundaries, um, like ethical boundaries, moral boundaries, um, privacy boundaries. And after you have befriended with this person for quite some time, you know the family, you know this person well, you know where they work. And then they tell you, oh, actually, you know, I work for the um, Chinese uh, Communist Party um, in uh, whatever capacity. Um, or maybe they just kind of approach you with a personal request. Hey, I got a daughter that um, she's still in China, but I want her to come to university in Canada here. Can you help? Um, of course, like, you know, um, I won't treat you poorly. Um, I won't, you won't be shortchanged. I will give you some tools to help you to facilitate uh, getting my daughter here to Canada. And that's how things started. Um, mm-hmm. And don't, I think it's really important for those people to remember that we all have our own boundaries, personal, institutional, organizational. In a company, too, like as a company CEO or a senior executive, you're bound to have something like this. Hey, if you want to deal, um, have a, some business dealings with um, our company or uh, my, the company that I represented, um, you have to do this and that. So this is where it's important. They are testing your bottom line. They are trying to break down your boundaries, undermining it bit by bit. But... Mm-hmm. If you have a strong personal relationship with that one already like developed for over the years, you find it very difficult to refuse. And I think that's where the, the fine line lies. Like as an MP, as an elected official, um, how are you going to uh, defend your body? Right. How are you going to stand right. up against those kind of... Um, actually, I, I, I'd like the uh, description of the former um, Australian Prime Minister, Mr. Scott Robertson's way of this putting it. Um, I think it describes the situation very clearly. The three C's. It's covert, it's corruptive, and it's coercive. That means like after you have a strong relationship or build up personal relationship with yeah. that kind of process. Um, it's coercive. Is, is it covert? That means they tell you that it's just between you and me. Don't tell anyone else. Nobody will know it. Is it corruptive? That means is it trying to break down or undermine your boundaries? 
Right. Oh, so once once they've got you brought on, then then they then they use you. And as I understand, because um, I'm going to run out of time, Fenella, so I want to make sure uh-huh. I get this in. The police stations have uh, resulted in 224,000 Chinese people uh, being taken from wherever they are and sent home, which is what the Chinese government does uh, with these things. Uh, so we are starting to look at these, and I don't know if those are all in. Those are certainly not all in Canada, but these things are worldwide. Do you believe, given what you've heard um, in the last few days from this government, do you believe the Trudeau government? is serious about actually dealing with this? Actually, not just the police um, station. Um, I don't think the government is uh, serious in uh, going to uh, look at the um, any sort of uh, the CCP's influence or infiltration or trying to meddle into our society at all. Um, and I think, you know, um, the prime minister or even the, uh, the federal government, they're throwing the Chinese Canadians under the bus because all the raping them shouting, we've been yelling, we can, we've been asking for help um, in the past decades or so, that, you know, those kind of um, covert, corruptive and coercive um, operations are going on, happening. Um, and it's not just uh, within the Chinese-Canadian community. It happens to anyone of um, um, some kind of influence. Uh, either yeah. you are running as a candidate or like yourself, Alex, um, in the media. Oh, I get my share. Yeah, I get my share of emails. Yeah, it's, it, it, and you can tell. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that you're they're testing your bottom line. And I think yeah. that, that, that that's the real thing. And also I would like to, other than the three Cs, I would like to add a common sense advice that is, is it too good to be true? Like honey trap, mm-hmm. money trap. Yeah. Those are the things. Those are the things that you can tell whether the person is really genuine in personal dealings with you, or they have ulterior motives. So that's why I think it's really important for us as Canadians to look at it as a Canadian issue. It's a national security issue. It's an issue that they are trying to compromise our boundaries and trying to break down our democracy. And I think that's really important to remember. Fenella, I very much appreciate it. I know you're uh, one of the few who do speak out on this uh, at risk, and uh, we'll continue talking about it. So I very much appreciate your time on this. Thank you very much for having me, Alex. Vanella Sung is with the group Canadian Friends of Hong Kong. She does speak out of this. Of course, the uh, honey trap is uh, like if you're like the the most average person in the world and you've got some hot, amazing babe or guy uh, being offered up, ask, like, is it too good to be true? Could be. So if China decides to send some hottie to, to lure me, I'm not interested. They do say, I get lots of emails from the critics, uh, trying to shut me up, but I I won't. I'll continue to let Fenella and others speak on these issues. That's going to do it for us, and uh, we'll see what the day brings so I can chew on it tomorrow. I will thank Ms. Heather Purden. I will thank Mr. Corey Manuel. Thank you for listening back tomorrow on Friday, finishing off the week here on 640 Toronto. (music) 